Good morning. My name is Pastor Kevin Hauser. Welcome to Chinese Gospel Church Toronto. This is Sunday morning, June 7th, 2020, and we're so delighted that you're able to be with us to be able to worship the Lord through the study of his word. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do give you praise and thanks for your love, for your enduring patience toward us, that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross, and that you opened our hearts, our minds, to the beauty of the gospel, to how he died for our sins. He took our place. You brought us into a family, a family of like-minded believers saved by faith in Jesus. And you now bring us, even this morning, to worship our Savior together. We do pray, Lord God, that as we come to your word now, that you would continue to guide us and direct us, that you will make it true and alive to us, and that it will be with us, not just this morning, but the rest of this day and indeed this week, as we contemplate the wonderful truths of our Lord, our Keeper. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to encourage you to open up your Bibles to Psalm 121. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version this morning, and as you've probably noticed, I'm going to do more of an extended pastoral prayer at the end. I want us to dive straight into the Word of God this morning. Psalm 121. This is the Word of the Lord. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. In 1989, Shauna and I went to Peru for the summer. At different points, I've told you aspects of that time. We knew it was dangerous before going. We were part of a team of about 17. And uh, when they heard that there was insurrection and uh, the Shining Path were active, they decided to send most of the team to Costa Rica and we continued on to Peru. But as Shauna and I spent the time there, Every once in a while, even in, in Lima, you could hear gunshots go off. Once during the week uh, we were there, we, we heard a bomb go off. At one point, we went out into the rural area near a, a small town uh, on the, uh, the tributaries of the Amazon called Tarapoto. On our way back, we decided uh, to leave a little early. The pastor the night before had decided that he wanted us to come back so he could be at his church. So we got up extra early and left and got in the vehicles and came through. We got back to where we were stationed for that time. We found out that there was another group, worse than the Shining Path at this time, called the Revolutionary Movement of Tupac Amaru. And they had gone out and they had stopped everyone on that highway. One hour after we had gone through, they had stopped a car, killed the officials, took everyone out into the jungle and indoctrinated them. I remember as we came back from that trip, as we heard these things, and even as we came back to Canada, 
we were amazed and we were overwhelmed by the reality of the Lord as our keeper. That during these times of hearing the guns and the bombs and this revolutionary movement going off, God kept us safe in his loving care. And I think back over our time of ministry, and there's been at least a half dozen times where we've actually seen God's hand of provision and, and keeping upon us. I remember in our very formative years, before we went out as missionaries, there was a time in Algonquin Park at uh, the uh, a, a cliff face where he kept me from safety. There was a time in Argentina at a picket line that could have gotten ugly. There was a another time in South Chile. I, I remember driving and we were supposed to have stopped and there wasn't a place to stop. So I kept driving and I was so tired. I, I, I remember almost driving off the road. And, and these are things that I remember that I know of. I don't know how many times the Lord was guiding and protecting me when I wasn't aware of it. And I think about ministry as well over 25 years and the number of times that we found ourselves in upheaval, in conflict, in strife, in change. And through it all, God has been our keeper. It's an important thing to contemplate, I think, this morning, because as we take a break in our study of the book of Ephesians, we look around us again, and, and this week especially, we see the society around us in turmoil. We see anxiety and stress. We see protests and marches. We see lockdowns of cities threatening to bring out the army in the United States. And we deal continually with the reality of COVID. And so while we are wrestling with this and we take this moment, I want us to look at Psalm 121 and, and capture again the understanding is the Lord is our keeper. I've used this psalm once or twice over the last couple months in terms of uh, a coming to worship, but I wanted us to look at it more in depth this morning to be able to study it. Now, Psalm 121 is actually part of a group of psalms that runs between 120 and 134. It's called the Psalms of Ascent. Each year, the Jewish pilgrims would wind their way to Jerusalem to make sacrifices on the high holy days. And as they would come along and, and, and come unto Jerusalem, they would sing these songs as a way of encouraging one another that they were going up to worship in the house of the Lord. The roads were poor. The trip was often long and difficult. So you can imagine as they near the end of the trip, the longer the trip is, their legs are tired. It's a hot dusty area and these songs encourage their hearts it keeps their minds centered and fixed on Jerusalem that destination that they're heading to now for centuries an, an intentional translation error in the King James Bible made it seem that these hills provided some sort of encouragement to the weary driver or weary walker as they could look up into the hills as they come unto Jerusalem and they would see the hills as in some way a place where God dwelt. And so on their long trip, as they come closer, they would see the hills and they would be encouraged that they're almost there. Unfortunately, that's not what the text says. And that's not what would have been understood in the day. We know that hills are places of danger. That's where the robbers uh, lived. That's where the, the outlaws lived. 
And so it was part of the problems of the faithful who were on this long pilgrimage to always be on the lookout along this trail for the outlaws. I don't know if you've watched too many old Western movies, but just imagine, think of, think of one of those scenes where you have the people on horses or you have them in covered wagons and they're covering uh, this long trail and then they come up to the hills and there's a rock tumble down. There's a little bit of dust that's kicked up. And as they're going through, the music changes. There's an ominous tone about it because they know up in the hills, that's where the bandits are. They're hiding amongst the rocks, ready to shoot. And that's the same concept that we have here at the beginning of Psalm 121. On top of that, the higher you got into the hills, the more treacherous they became. The, the pathways became narrow. They were filled with loose gravel, and so it was easy to stumble and fall. So we should look at verse 1 in this way. I look to the hills, and where does my help come from to finish this journey? Because all I see ahead of me is danger. My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. And this is really the start of what we wanted to look at this morning. That as followers of Jesus Christ, we are pilgrims, aren't we? We, we must understand and trust explicitly and implicitly that only God, the Lord, is our true source of help. At the beginning of my time last year, we, we looked at this whole issue of being a pilgrim. And we saw that we're on a spiritual journey with the end destination being that new Jerusalem, that new heaven. It's a journey of a lifetime and it's full of danger and peril and challenges. So we need to keep our eyes fixed on God. Only the Lord is the one who can, be, who can guarantee that we arrive safely at our destination. The one who is committed to us in a covenant relationship. The one who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. He is the one who has created heaven and earth, we're told. And it is because of that very fact that we can stake our faith in it. He will be our aid. He will be our help and our ever-present comfort in life. But what does that look like in a real sense? And it comes down to daily living. Well, that's what verses 3 through 8 try to flesh out for us. So I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to mark in verses 3 through 8 how many times the psalmist actually says the word keep or keeper. Six times he uses that. Now, in the original context, the word here has a military origin. It's someone who stands on the city walls. They're a trained guard who is vigilantly watching for the enemy. They're always looking for danger, and they're always ready to sound the alarm. It's someone who's entrusted to the care to protect the people of the city. And we're told that the Lord is our keeper. He is the one who keeps watch over us. He is the one who is vigilant. He is the one who has an unwavering care over us. The very fact that we're told six times in just a matter of four verses that it is the Lord who cares for us, this covenant-keeping God, it reminds us, doesn't it, that we are people of weak faith and short memories. 
It isn't simply that there's a tendency for us to trust in the things around us for help. That's true. It's not simply that we can fall prey so easily to the, the enemies of uh, our faith. That's true. But as travelers, as pilgrims, we're constantly confronted by the reality that we have this tendency to grow weary. We have this tendency just to pack it all in when things get difficult. It's too easy when, to grow weary when our boss is always demanding that we find shortcuts and, and do things that are unethical. So eventually one day we just give in. It's too easy when in our marriage there's debts, there's depression, there is an unloving spouse to get a divorce and start over. It's too easy when we're constantly wrestling with a particular sin to just give into it and allow it to become part of our daily life and really define who we are. It's too easy when we don't have to or we can't come together like we are now during a pandemic and not exercise our faith by reading the Word of God, by praying and spending time together just like we are now. In a way, because we have short memories, that's when we come to that bump in our life, we forget that God has brought us through tough times already. There's been rough spots that we've experienced, and he's helped us through it. He's the one who has gotten us through. It's when we have a, a time in our life when we're giving into a particular sin, we forget that God has already given us the victory over sin. And, and we have seen the complete victory over sin in certain other areas of our life. And so we, we should be taking our strength and our resolve from that and going on in recognition that the Lord is our help. It, this is about recognizing the pilgrimage we're on and saying, my help comes from the Lord. In Costa Rica, as we we're studying language school, I took about seven or eight men and part of a group and we climbed uh, a park called Cerro Chiripo. It's the 37th tallest peak in, in the world. It takes around eight to 10 hours of, of hiking to get up there. And it's not a difficult trail. It's fairly wide, well-groomed pretty much, but still eight to 10 hours of arduous uphill climbing. At times, it does get difficult. And when you get to the top, there's still another hour or two of walking between the precipices of one peak to another. And that's where it got dangerous. But the reality was is that most of us went into this un underestimating the endurance that would be necessary, underestimating the resources that we would have to have. So while there was eight or nine of us that I think actually went, only three of us got up there within the eight to 10 hours. Everyone else had a an extra three to four hours on top of that. It was dark before they got up there, which is not what they're supposed to do. The journey that we're on in our Christian life, it's long. It's filled with dangers. And because we are weak in our faith and because we have short memories, it's too easy for us to fall prey. It's too easy for us to become like the world around us. When we find ourselves tired of to continue on, overpowered by our sin, overwhelmed by the circumstances of our life, we need to look to God. He is our keeper. 
when the situation of the pandemic has us locked in our homes for months on end and even still with no end date in sight thinking about the possibility of a second wave and having to start all over again we get frustrated we want to pack it all in we need to remember that god is our keeper now the rest of psalm 121 describes god's keeping care and it does so in three ways in the first one, we see in verses 3 through 4 that God's watch is without interruption. Despite how treacherous the path is that we're on, we can be assured that he will keep us because he neither sleeps nor slumbers. Now, obviously, God is spirit. He doesn't need to sleep. So the psalmist is telling us something about God in relationship to to our humanness. He's, he's telling us something about God in terms of our human understanding. It's called anthropomorphism. And obviously, God doesn't need to sleep, does he? There was a time in my life, I think, uh, I could go probably with only a couple hours of sleep and function fairly well. I was a night hawk for a long time. I could maybe get two or three hours and function well the next day, but you know what? The older I get, the harder it is. My speech slurs, my thoughts get messed up, my work gets sloppy, and I just don't function well. And I think the reality is, is that that's always who I was, but just never understood that. I remember once as a teenager, I had worked at the scuba shop all afternoon where uh, I had taken my lessons. and. Then I turned around and did an all-night shift at the local variety store across the road. Somewhere around 4.30 in the morning, I was just going through the motions. I, I was so tired that uh, I was near the front uh, entrance and I thought I heard the door go off, indicating uh, the bell go off, indicating someone could come in the door. And I looked around and I started talking and I realized that for 20 to 30 seconds, I had been talking to the magazine rack. I just wasn't clued in. So sleep is, it's important. It's necessary for us. It rejuvenates us. It refreshes us. It clears our thoughts and allows us to work in a safe fashion. But because God is spirit, he does not need to sleep. His watch over us is uninterrupted. It's never failing, never waning. There is never a time when he needs to take a break to recharge his batteries. And he's always at his top performance of keeping us and looking after us in all ways. The key theme of the book of Esther reminds us that God is always present, even if he doesn't always look like he's around. He's always keeping his people, working out his good and perfect will, even when he doesn't seem to be. Now, the book of Esther is one of those books that is, it's kind of unique. It's, it's a, a genre of histor history, um, but it's also the only book of the Bible that doesn't actually name the name of God. So it accentuates his absence. And here's the reality is that because of pride, hatred for the Jews had, had grown in Persia. Haman had manipulated King Ahasuerus, so that by the end of chapter 5, there appears to be no hope for Israel. It appears that God had abandoned his people. Mordecai is about to be hanged. 
The people of God are about to be wiped out or annihilated by the sword all in one day. So Queen Esther prepares to sacrifice herself on behalf of her people. Then in chapter 6, lo and behold, everything changes overnight. Mordecai is honored. Haman is hung on the very gallows that he had made for Mordecai. And the people are saved. Why? Because the king was unable to sleep. Literally, the words are, sleep was kept from him. There are many times in our life when it may feel that God is sleeping. That God just isn't involved in our life at this moment. Just doesn't seem to be caring about us. We're stuck in a spiritual rut. I know a dear brother, and you know, for years, probably 10 years or more, he has prayed for a job that he likes, a job that he could do well for, for the glory of his Savior, a job that would have meaning and joy for him. But all he ever gets is part-time or contract. And that has weighed heavily on not only him, but on his wife. And so they've struggled. And I hear it regularly from people as they deal with situations in their lives. There are times when we actually question God's caring, that somehow he has forgotten us for this moment. And it's easy at these times to question whether God is really keeping us. And that's the time, and we find it so easy to pack all things in. Somehow we would think that he has momentarily stopped his care and his keeping of us. In other times, we, in times of struggle with sin, when we can't find victory in our lives and God just doesn't feel close. And because he doesn't feel close, we start to doubt. We wonder again if he really cares and we're at the point of packing it all in. But I, I want you to be encouraged by these verses this morning to take great comfort in the reality that God never sleeps nor slumbers. In fact, we're told he is the creator God, that all things were made by him. The very power and intellect that created everything that we see is at his disposal to care for us. He neither sleeps nor slumbers. So his watch over us is uninterrupted. Yet not only is God's watch uninterrupted in verses 5 and 6, we also see that it is a constant watch over us. Now, there's a difference here between constant and uninterrupted. We sometimes use them as uh, synonyms one for another. But again, uninterrupted means there is not a point where the care of God is stopped and started again. Well, we're talking about constant here. We're saying something is unchanging through time. It's permanent. There's a steady purpose to it, and it's firm and solid. Again, it's language here that it's figurative. So when it says that the Lord is your shade on your right hand, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night, the psalmist is telling us something about the watchful care of God. It's over us day and night. It's what's called a merism. That is, that it's always there. There is never a time when God is not caring for us. So we can look back through the centuries of the church. We can look back through the decades of our life and say that there is a constant care of God upon us. 
not only does he protect and help us from the things that we uh, can see around us, but from the things that we can't see as well. And here's the reality is, is that if we're walking in obedience with God, practicing spiritual discernment, there are many dangers, many perils that we're be able, we'll be able to spot and, and, and not find ourselves falling prey to. If we're married, we won't engage emotionally with a person of the opposite sex. We reserve that affection for our spouse. If we know that we're susceptible to a particular sin, we won't make our, allow ourselves to get into situations where that then becomes a desire of our heart so that we're tempted. But there are many dangers throughout the day that even with spiritual discernment, we're unable to see until they're right upon us. And at that point, we can't do anything about it. We know that there are evil people in the world. We know that they have evil intentions. Satan himself is prowling, seeing who he can devour. Yet even here, God is keeping his watch over us. He protects us from the things that we can see and from the things that we can't see. And that's why I started by just reminding myself of God's keeping care over us over the years. His keeping is constant from the first day of our salvation to the very end. He keeps us for the glory of himself. Now, if you think about it, the reality of being keeping us day and night implies that we need to be kept, doesn't it? There is a constant threat that's around us. We think of parents and why do parents keep us such a, a strong watch and vigilant care over their kids? It's because they know that they're vulnerable all the time. They're vulnerable to do things that they shouldn't do because they don't recognize the situations they find themselves in. They're vulnerable to the intentions of others around them, whether it's teens or adults or other kids. They're vulnerable simply to things happening to them. In the wintertime, I don't know about you, but when we uh, go to bed at night, we turn down our thermostat to save money. Why? Because heat isn't necessary. We're all bundled up in our blankets at that point and fast asleep. But here's the reality is there is never a time when God says, well, they're asleep. They can't get themselves into trouble, so I'll just turn down my caring of them and do something else. And in fact, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but how vulnerable we really are when we sleep. That's the time when we are totally defenseless, totally dependent upon the keeping of God. When, when we're awake, there's, there's some type of a process of autonomy going on. I'm making decisions to do this. I'm getting up. I'm going out and buying groceries. I'm, I'm doing work, whatever it is. And, and I'm at least in part control. So there's some autonomy. But when we are asleep, there is a complete vulnerability. We shut down. And we are defenseless before the world. But God's care is constant. So again, we should take great comfort in the understanding that his care is 24-7 for us, and that it has always been there, it always will be, and it'll see us home to our final destination. The third aspect of God's care here is in verses 7 through 8, and that it's without limit. 
Notice that the promise in verse 7 here is that he will keep us from evil. Now, that doesn't mean that Christians will never have problems. In fact, there's an assumption in the underlying premise here, isn't there? That, that there is evil in the world and that there are evil people. And on top of that, from time to time, we as the people of God may find ourselves in situations where we are subjected to evil or become the targets of evil people. The journey, again, that we're on is long. It's arduous. It's fraught with danger. Now, this attack can come from the world around us and the culture we live, from the unsaved world. But Lord forbid, this attack could also come from within the church itself as ungodly, unholy teachers gain control. Biblical truth comes under fire or is jettisoned by the church as unimportant and becomes more worldly. And I think this is where the book of Job is a great encouragement to us. That even if we experience evil, it's only as God has permitted. It's measured to perfection for our spiritual good and for his glory. And then even if we, we face great hardship, great sorrow, it cannot change our spiritual relationship with God. So know that the promise is not that we will never experience evil, but that evil will never prevail over us. We will be kept from spiritual destruction, from sin and evil, and we are secure in God's covenant-keeping care. What a wonderful promise that is for us in these days. With the pandemic and, and the chaos that seems to be gripping the, the masses. And, and the truly comforting thing is, again, that that we'll experience this keeping, not only in this life, but scripture says for all eternity. For the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in for this time forth and forevermore. At no time in our life here on earth or in our new life in the new earth will we ever lack God's keeping care. These promises are wonderful. God's keeping is without interruption. God's keeping is constant. God's keeping is without limit. And we see that in perfection in Jesus Christ. We see the fullness of God's keeping care to us. Jesus is our help in that God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus is our help in two ways, and I want to focus just on these two primarily. First of all is that he has provided us salvation. For God being holy and righteous requires a perfect righteousness, a perfect obedience for all those who would desire to worship him. But that is exactly what we are unable to do because of sin. Yet in his love toward us, God sent his son, Jesus, as a sacrifice for our sin. In his death, Jesus provides redemption and forgiveness for sin. In his resurrection, Jesus provides us with eternal life. As our great high priest, he is able to save to the uttermost. Christ rescues us. He is able to do that which we are so in desperate need of doing, so incapable of doing ourselves, and so undeserving of receiving. In this salvation, we are kept from the destruction of sin. 
we are kept from the eternal judgment and condemnation, and we are kept for godly ends. We are kept and cared for because he purchased us, and now we are in him. Amen. Well, the second thing that Jesus is the, the epitome of God's keeping care for us, we see in Hebrews 7.25, is that he lives to make unceasing intercession to keep us from harm, to keep us from sin, to assure us that we will reach our final destination. Despite the trials, the travails, the perils, the dangers, despite ourselves, we will get to that final destination. We have that assurance. And I, I want to read these words of assurance from Romans 8, verses 35 through 38 to you. I know many of us have them by memory. If you want to open your Bibles and follow through, that's great. If you just want to close your eyes and listen, I, I want you to focus on the words and to hear afresh the promise of God's keeping care. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. We can look to the hills, to the new Jerusalem, and we see danger, don't we? Not, not only is were we wrestling with this reality of the pandemic, but the pandemic has really opened up a new series of issues. It has revealed to us how weak the moral reality, the strength of our culture really is. It's like a veneer, and the veneer has been ripped off. We've seen this past week the social agitation, the riots, the, the, the angst, the reality of all of these things now being opened up in great part because we are all stuck in our homes. We cannot do the things that we used to do. Life is not the same, and so we're cooped up. And now all these frustrations are boiling out into other areas of our life and society, areas of injustice that have not been dealt with correctly and adequately. And we see a great situation of turmoil between now and the day God calls us home where he comes again. We need to walk this daily life uh, amongst all of these perils to understand the realities and the concerns of our day, to engage in social justice as necessary, but to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, our Lord, our keeper. He is the one who will get us through this. His care is constantly upon us. His care is uninterrupted. His care is without limit. He will see us through to the end for his glory. Amen. Oh man, 
No, no wonder Psalm 121 is a, a, a metaphor for the Christian life and is loved by so many pastors and chaplains. We see our culture shattered. We see instability around us. We see the, the fractures revealed in our culture. But we can take great comfort, great support that the Lord is our keeper. The covenant-keeping God, the one who has made heaven and earth. He is keeping you. He is keeping me. He is keeping Chinese Gospel Church. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do give you again praise and thanks that words written so many thousands of years ago can continue to provide comfort to the faithful. For the reality is, is stripping down the concerns and cares of the world. They're, 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 they're not limited to a specific time and space, but really transcend human existence. That sin has entered this world. That it has tainted and distorted and destroyed the very image of God in people. It, it has created a situation, Lord God, of, of hatred of sin, of rebellion. But Lord, we thank you that you are a God who cares for his people. You have cared for us even before you saved us. And that if we were to take a moment, we could see that your indelible finger of care was upon us even before we said, Abba, Father, we are yours. Guiding us, keeping us from peril and danger, Yet how much more evident is it and should be now as we walk by faith, walk in discernment, walk in wisdom that we can see you leading and guiding and protecting. Help us, I pray, as individuals, as families, as a church, Lord God, to trust in you in these troubling times. I know the word unprecedented has been used so often. And really, Lord God, it, these aren't unprecedented. They're just new for us. For indeed, worse situations, worse diseases, worse wars have, have happened for thousands of years. Yet it doesn't change the reality of our weak hearts, our weak faith, and the danger that is around us. So we want this morning to redouble our efforts to fix our eyes on Christ, to recognize the pilgrim walk that we are on, and to trust wholly, implicitly in the Lord our Keeper. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There are no major announcements this morning. And I do pray as you go that you will go in the strength and the wisdom and the power of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.